Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I know that your inclination is to give me and the podcast credit for your success, but it was all you. Congratulations <laughs> on getting the gig. I don't want any credit for this job. I'm sure you took enough credit on your own. And what could have been the scoop of the year for your boy, I had no <laughs> clue that you were going to get the gig. If not for Alabama State, then where would I be? If you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you didn't get there by itself. This is the part in the game we have to take that next step. Yeah, you give me those 50000 in Legion Field, Magic City Classic, that last Saturday of October, and I promise you there's no better atmosphere in all of college football. It was truly a pleasure. Just talking sports is always a great thing, and, you know, Devin, you and I go back all the way probably to my uh, Alabama State days. We believe in change, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for this episode. I'm back, y'all. It's been a minute, but I'm back, and I'll tell you all about that in just a second. But welcome aboard. If this is your first time, we certainly hope that we become a part of your podcast menu. And a shout-out to all of you who are tuning in for the very first episode. Go back and listen to past episodes. We certainly encourage you to do that, to get familiar with the show so you can hear what we do and you can get to know us. Shouts out to all the people who listen to every episode, who like, share, comment, all that good stuff. We appreciate you. Welcome back. Well, let me tell you, it's been a minute for me because I was battling COVID. If you listen to the last briefcast, I was battling COVID, but I still wanted to give you all an opportunity to hear from Jason Jenkins. And just to lay things out for you so you'll know how sort of things transpired, I had a couple of interviews in the can that I got prior to training camp, and I was going to run those just prior to the start of the NFL season, or preseason, rather. And uh, I had a conversation with Jason Jenkins and Cortez Hankton. You'll be hearing that conversation. He is a wide receivers coach for LSU. We caught up with him this summer as he goes from Georgia, the national champs, to LSU with Brian Kelly. We talked all about that. that. You'll hear that conversation at some point. But I was going to run the Jason Jenkins conversation. TSU guy who worked at TSU. His father was a coach at Texas Southern for a while, and uh, he's a South. Well, I, I don't guess it was Southwest Conference. He was a Texas Tech guy. Might have been still Southwest Conference when he was there, but he was the vice president of communications and community affairs for the Miami Dolphins. And I was going to run that and got sick. And in the interim, before I was able to return, which it's taken a minute. Uh, Jason passed away tragically, and I played that conversation. Hopefully you had a chance to hear that. If not, go back and listen to it. I think it's really something that uh, will give you a perspective on a really good dude that's gone way, way too soon. So I will tell you this. This is how I got COVID. You, If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know I've been super precautious. Dodged this thing for two and a half years. Took my shots. Took my booster shot. Was waiting to get the second booster shot. Wear a mask everywhere. Don't go a whole lot of places. Part of that is becoming my personality. And the other part of that is 
I'm not trying to get sick. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to take a lot of chances. So you know, slowly but surely, I started to relax a little bit. And it wasn't someone out in the world. It was someone in my inner circle, and I have a very small inner circle. And that person did not act as responsible as I would have liked. And I got it, and it was bad. It wasn't bad because I didn't end up in the hospital. But as you can hear, I'm still dealing with it, and uh, it's still challenging to talk for an extended period of time. But we're going to get through this episode. But, uh, yeah, I had the body aches, had the fevers. Uh, had the, well, the, the, and I say fevers because they came and went, had some inflammation in my gums. I didn't have the loss of, uh, smell and all of that stuff, but I, I got it and people are like, Oh, well, you know, it's like the flu. Who in the hell wants the flu? <laughs> you know, and I didn't want this. And, uh, but you know, if I hadn't had the booster shot, I would have gotten much, much sicker because I had some pre-existing sort of respiratory stuff I've dealt with my whole life. Grew up with asthma. And, and actually, you know, when I played football, it was better than the football season. But I kept that, that pump with me. I had my, my inhaler with me. And uh, asthma's been a part of my life my whole life. And it sort of subsided until I got sick right before the pandemic. And I'm telling you, the symptoms that I had then are the same symptoms I had this time. So either I dodged COVID for two and a half years or this is my second bout with it. But either way. I'm back, more or less. I mean, again, I'm trying to clear this stuff up. Uh, but I'm back, and I'm fine. And thank you for all of those who reached out to me with the comments. Some of the folks on Facebook knew because I missed Sports Talk one week, and I missed the Friday Express. I have done a couple of Texas Southern football games. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. But let me tell you what we have coming up from the special teams unit. Guess who's back? Life on Lock. She's back with some Sports E. We have a segment called D-Nice for all the teams who were not just nice, but D-Nice in week one of the NFL season. We have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and a conversation with our guy, Reggie Brown from the special teams unit. And uh, we created a segment around one of his phrases, a phrase that he's used a couple times on previous appearances on the podcast. And it was so nice, I had to include this segment. So you definitely want to look forward to that. So that and on the Mono Award for the big dummy of the episode. So all that's coming up. So with that, let's get started with some headlines. That was a really weak headlines. I admit it, but I'm playing hurt. So bear with me as I sort of continue to get better and better. But let me start. So many things have taken place. So many things I wanted to comment on and weren't able to. And it makes me appreciate this uh, outlet and this uh, this way of communicating with you guys even more. But let me start with Texas Southern football. Of course, I do play-by-play for the Texas Southern Tigers on KTSU 90.9. And we have a couple games under our belt. And uh, it hadn't gone our way. And I will say this, friend of the show, Bubba McDowell, who was on not so long ago, head coach of Prairie View A&M, got his first win. Unfortunately, it came against us in the Labor Day Classic. In that game, the Tigers struggled mightily offensively. That was a shock and a disappointment for me. 
but they look really, really lost out there. I won't say lost. I just not productive. They just didn't get it done, although they did run the football a little bit, a couple of rushing touchdowns in that game. Pass defense was stellar, two picks, and uh, including a pick six by Isaiah Hamilton. But the offense – this past weekend, which was an adventure in itself, and I have to tell you all about my weekend, but North Texas. We traveled to North Texas to take on the Mean Green and lose that one 59-27. But the Tigers did put up over 460 yards of total offense, and a lot of that, the majority of that came during uh, what was considered a competitive time in the game. Had all the starters in, and really Andrew Body and that offense got going. You had a receiver, Derek Moore, with 117 yards receiving on eight receptions. You had a running back, Ladarius Owens, almost go for 100, had 94. But boy, again, defensively, they struggle really, really bad, and they have to find a way to stop some folks. And uh, it doesn't get any easier as we go to Arlington. So two weekends back-to-back in the Metroplex, we take on the Southern Jaguars, and they're trying to avenge a loss with their new coach, Eric Dooley, formerly of Prairie View, that he wants to avenge what well, they want to avenge the loss to Texas Southern last year, 35-31, in what was a fantastic game. So I'm headed back to the Metroplex. But let me tell you about my – this was a tremendous football weekend, by the way. So I do sports talk Saturday morning. I go to North Texas, to Denton, in one day, and I come do the game and come back. And I'm talking about 600 miles of driving. It was long, and it was uh, exhausting. And then I got up the next morning and went to the Texans' opener, home opener against the Indianapolis Colts. So let's talk about the Houston Texans. Let me start by saying this, and this is what we have to realize about the AFC South. I mean, I think many of you, you know it's boring football, but you don't really really understand why. <laughs> but if you look at the division, it really is the top two teams in the division are built for playoffs. If you think about it, they run the football heavily. They play off of uh, play action, the passing game, and they play great defense. So if you look at Tennessee, they depend on – Derrick Henry in that running game and defense. And, and Tannehill to come up with a couple key throws throughout the game. Now you've had Carson Wentz. You had Phillip Rivers. I mean, it's been a long time since you've had Andrew Luck. So, I mean, it's been sort of run the football, sort of manufacture some points, but play great defense. Well, I tell you, that does not make for entertaining opening weekend football. And this game, it wasn't really entertaining at all until the fourth quarter. It was a tale of two games. The Texans came out, and they looked okay, and they did what they were supposed to do. They actually really looked pretty good defensively. Early on, they really for the first three quarters, they turned over the Colts. The Colts had some turnovers. They also had a, a number of penalties that were really costly. And the Texans just handled their business and they ran out to a 20 to 3 lead. But in the fourth quarter, the Colts stormed back. They had three possessions and scored two touchdowns and a field goal. And a fourth possession in which they had a game winner. On the foot of Rodrigo Blankenship, he blew it and missed the kick, and they have since cut him. So let's look at some of the things that happened just in the fourth quarter. Jonathan Taylor, who is a pleasure to watch, by the way. You definitely want to watch this guy run the football. He's old school. But just in that quarter, he had nine attempts for 70 yards, 7.9 yards per carry. They couldn't stop him. 
And then, I mean, he had an entire drive where he had three plays. It was like 13 yards, 12 yards, 14 yards. I mean, it was just bang, bang, bang. The Texans just could not stop this guy in the fourth quarter. And they they just looked hapless. And on offense, the same thing happened. So Blankenship misses the game winner. So you go into overtime tied at 20. So everybody's talking about the the decision at the end. So the decision at the end – 20-some-odd seconds left. I think both teams had one timeout remaining. The Texans decide on fourth and three from near midfield to punt the football. And everybody's complaining about that. People are saying, oh, why not go for the win? Why not go for – why are you playing for the tie? Let me tell you the reason why they did that. Because that offense looked totally lost and incompetent in the fourth quarter of that game and throughout overtime. So they didn't do anything to breed confidence that they were going to get a fourth down and three. And if you don't make it, you're literally 12, 15 yards and one timeout away from Indianapolis having another opportunity to win that game. So they punted the football. The coach just handed it off once or took a knee, uh, essentially just let the game end. I think they ran the ball once and it was over. And so the Texans start with a tie. And I was a little disappointed with Davis Mills. Not that I had tremendously high expectations, but clearly the team does. There has been no mention or no desire to go after any other quarterback, to draft the quarterback. They believe that he was the guy. And based on some of the things he did, I mean, you can have some confidence in him, but he did miss throws. And here's the other thing. Rex Burkhead had 20 touches in that game, including in key situations, and didn't convert. What successful NFL offense would have Rex Burkhead touch the ball 20 times during the course of a game? That tells you all you need to know. The young receivers, you know, Nico Collins, he didn't really do a lot. You have some other guys. Brandon Cooks did okay. O.J. Howard was the big highlight if you're talking about the Texans. Two touchdowns for the now journeyman tight end guy who in the past giving me some really good fantasy points. But uh, a lot of stuff happened in the NFL. Dallas Cowboys, man, they looked absolutely horrible before Dak got hurt. Then Dak gets hurt. They saying six to eight weeks, Jerry Jones said, nah, more like four. So we don't know. But either way, their weaknesses are apparent. And they're in trouble with or without Dak because Dak didn't look great before. And so you really can't even judge Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, I mean, I, I still say the Dallas defense is really nice, but you can't really judge Tampa Bay by that performance by the Dallas Cowboys offense. I think the most impressive thing all weekend long was the Kansas City Chiefs. They were absolutely fantastic on offense. And I'm telling you, they distributed the ball to 10 different guys. I'll tell you more about that in the D-Nice segment because Pat Mahomes was D-Nice. But they're like, hey, we ain't missing no Tyreek Hill. No, hey, we are rolling, and they were against Arizona Cardinals team that has been an enigma for a couple of years now. Some big divisional games, Justin Jefferson, you'll hear more about him. Big weekend for the Minnesota Vikings winning. Titans, the Titans, how do you, you, you can't lose that game. And again, 
is Randy Bullock, a kicker, letting the Tennessee Titans down. Um, but those are some of the things that have happened. If you have comments, and I want to hear your predictions, because I, I gave mine on KTSU Sports Talk. Didn't get a chance to give them to you guys on the podcast. But I did have Indy winning the AFC South. Kansas City and the Rams going to the Super Bowl. Although the Rams didn't help a brother out with that opening night performance against Buffalo. And Buffalo looked amazing as well. Yeah. We'll have to see how that plays out. It looks like we're in for another classic matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen versus Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't, it's really early. So it's time to overreact a little bit, and we are. So that's going on. So going to take a time out, come back on the other side. We are going to hear from our very own Life on Lock with some sports E, and then, of course, we're going to do the D-Nice segment. So you'll, you'll hear who was nice, not just nice, but D-Nice. And then, of course, we still have Reggie Brown coming up and on the minor world. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. For more content, go to wadewordproductions.com. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Let me say this about the Dallas trip. I said 600 miles. It wasn't 600 miles one way. It was 600 miles round trip from my front door Back to my front door. And, of course, uh, Larry the Chatterbox Hill rolled back with me. But we didn't get back till like, 3.30 in the morning. And then I had to get up and go to the Texans. And I talked about the, the that division being boring. It's not boring for football people. It's not. It's not. If you know football and you appreciate all the aspects of football, they're not boring. But when you have an opportunity to see Pat Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Matt Stafford or, I mean, so many teams that are so electrifying offensively, I wanted to see Miami and the New England Patriots. There's so many offenses and so many matchups that was so much more intriguing and will be so much more intriguing week in and week out. But this, it's, it's football. And it's NFL football, and it was a great weekend. And I'll tell you, I was so exhausted after all of that. I didn't even mention that I met Mean Joe Green. Now, I've seen Mean Joe Green in the Texans press box before, but I didn't say anything to him because he was advanced scouting. And I forget what team he worked for, maybe a couple of different teams. But he was there as soon as I walked in to Apogee Stadium on the campus of North Texas. He was there talking to some folks. And I walked up to him. Okay, let me tell you something. I'm a native Houstonian, and I'm a love your blue Houstonian. So if you're old enough to remember that, you know what I mean. There's a hate 
it's just an intense hate for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially Pittsburgh Steelers of that era. But when you see a legend like Mean Joe Green, I went up and I wanted to ask him to come do halftime. But he was talking and I didn't want to interrupt. I just walked up to him and I shook his hand. And he was like, well, what? why in the hell is this guy shaking my hand? I mean, he had to know because he was Mean Joe Green. <laughs> but I shook his hand and I, I couldn't wait around because I had a broadcast to do. So I was going to wait around to talk to him, but I didn't get an opportunity. But half of me wanted to cut block his ass for all them hits on Dan Pastorini and Earl Campbell. Now, I'm real like that. It never dies. The intensity, the rivalry never dies. But I'll tell you this. I've had some awkward <laughs> interactions with some NFL legends. And Haywood Jeffries and Pat Coleman, former NFL wide receivers, will tell you, we were at an NFL alumni golf tournament. It was a big, I don't know if it was, a, it wasn't an alumni golf tournament, but it was a big one. And they were, and this was at the Woodlands TPC. And I saw Gail Sears and, I mean, I've told this story before, but I waited for Gail. Okay, so I was in the restroom, and Gail Sears came in. So I washed my hands, and I left. And I'm like, man, that's Gail Sears. My dad would be thrilled that I had a chance to come into contact with Gail Sears. So I patiently waited outside of the restroom for him to come out. So now let me put it in perspective, because I've interviewed so many legends, including Jim Brown and Jerry Rice and Sugar Ray Leonard and, I mean, so many guys, Deacon Jones. So, but but it's it's not the guys, uh, I mean, Jim Brown was legendary and Deacon Jones was even more just energetic, but it's not those guys, uh, and, and not the guys that I covered in the NFL during the time, you know, when I started covering the Oilers, blah, blah, blah. It's the, the legends of the game that were superstars before I even remember football. And that's why you get excited when you see, like, that's Mean Joe Green. Thanks, Mean Joe, the Coca-Cola commercial. Uh, so, yeah, from that standpoint. So, with that, let's get into a segment with uh, someone who is making her return. Now, she left. And you will know why real soon, why she was gone, and how all of that played out. But we... Well, she can't say anything about it. I'm not going to say anything about it. But she is going to tell you about some sports entertainment stuff in a segment that we call Sports E. This week in Sports E. Sports E. Entertainment. Entertainment. The E is for entertainment. Hey, hey, everybody. I hope your day is going well and just got a little better now that you're listening to Sports E with Life Unlocked. Now, I know I've been away for a really, really long time, and I promise when I can reveal why, you all will be the first to know. But trust me when I say that I am back and I'm ready to give you all the entertainment news that you've been missing. So let's go ahead and kick this week off with none other than rap's favorite, Champagne Poppy. So now we all know that Drake has some acting chops, and we know that Drake is arguably one of the best entertainers ever. But did you know that he also can shoot? Well, it turns out the Grammy Award-winning rapper recently showed off his three-point stroke repeatedly in a skills contest against NBA star Carmelo Anthony, and apparently he's nothing to play with. Now, we all know that Drake dibbles and dabbles with the court from a business standpoint, but he doesn't always have the best jump shot. In fact, documentation of his poor jumper even date back as far as 2014. So for him to make this type of accomplishment, it's definitely been a few years in the making, but it 
looks like he's finally found his rhythm and it's nothing but net from here. Now, speaking of basketball greats, a huge congratulations is in order to Rajon Rondo as the two-time champion recently popped the question to his new fiance, Latoya Fitzgerald. Now, this happened in New York Fashion Week while on the runway and she said yes. Now, why I love this is because Latoya is a very well-known fashion designer and so I feel for him to propose during something that's so important to her. You know, it's just very sweet and intentional. So a big congratulations to them. Now, as we all know, Queen Elizabeth recently passed away and many athletes from around the world have been paying their respects. Notable names such as F1 star Lewis Hamilton, NFL quarterback Russell Wilson, and pro boxers Tyson Fury and Jake Paul have all made public tributes and commentary on the Queen's passing and her impact. And we'll continue to pray for those athletes that have been affected by her loss. Now, speaking of NFL stars, it looks like Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen are in a little bit of a rough patch right now. Now, apparently things between them have gotten so bad that they are currently living in separate homes. According to Page Six, their rough patch started when Tom Brady decided to return for another season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, if you don't know, Giselle has publicly expressed her desire for Brady to retire, claiming that he really doesn't have anything else to prove on the field and she would prefer him to spend more time with his family instead. Now, the couple got married back in 2009 and they have two kids together at the age of 14 and 9 and Brady also has a 15-year-old son from a previous relationship. So they clearly have a lot of love and life together that they've spent and so I hope that they can get to a common ground and work it out. And if you want to know more about them and every other athlete and the entertainment news, be sure to meet me right here next week for more on Sports E. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Life on Lock. Enjoy that. I mean, it's nice to know about Tom Brady's marital situation, which, you know, hey, whatever. I mean, he has a lot of detractors around the NFL, especially when she threw his teammates under the – well, I'm not getting into all of that. But nonetheless, thanks to Life on Lock for that. Let's get into some of the guys and teams who did work on the weekend. This is something we do during football season where I tell you about the guys who were not just nice, but they were the nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. When you talk about players who were the nice, you have to start with Pat Mahomes. No Tyreek Hill, no problem. Mahomes was 30 of 39 for 360 yards and five touchdowns and a 44-21 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Mahomes completed passes to 10 different receivers and touchdown tosses to four different players. He was the nice. Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants is kind of a forgotten superstar, but Barkley had a memorable Sunday and a surprising 21-20 victory over the Tennessee Titans. Barkley had 164 yards rushing, including a 68-yard touchdown reminiscent of his rookie year. He was D-Nice. Justin Jefferson got his gritty on on the way to a stellar day in a big divisional win over the Green Bay Packers, 23-7. Jefferson had nine receptions for 184 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings' new-look offense. He definitely was D-Nice. In his return from a season-ending injury on Halloween of last year, Jameis Winston led the New Orleans Saints to a win over the arch-rival Atlanta Falcons. It wasn't that he did it. It was how he did it. Down by 16 in the fourth quarter, Jameis led the Saints on two lightning-quick touchdown drives for an unlikely comeback 
26. Winston had 269 yards passing with two touchdowns. He definitely was D-nice. Let's go defense. Khalil Mack put on a different uniform suiting up for the Los Angeles Chargers after leaving the Bears. But on Sunday, Mack got a chance to beat up his original team, the Las Vegas Raiders, in a big divisional matchup. Mack had five tackles and three sacks in the Chargers' 24-19 win. He was balling out, and he was D-nice. We talked about Saquon, but the big story was his New York Giants. The Giants beat the Titans 21-20. Giants head coach Brian Dayball, he ain't screwed. Dayball directed the Giants to go for a game-winning two-point conversion instead of settling for the tie with 106 left to play in the game, and the Giants held on to the victory. Giants won, and they were D-nice. The Seattle Seahawks let former quarterback Russell Wilson know that Love don't live anymore. the Seahawks edged out Russie and his Denver Broncos 17-16 in a game that saw the Seattle defense stymie the Broncos in the red zone, recovering two fumbles on their own one-yard line. Despite 443 total yards, the Broncos could only muster 16 points and took the ball out of Wilson's hands in the final moments and attempted a 64-yard field goal that wasn't to be. The Seattle defense did that, and they were D-nice. Though the Steelers suffered a couple of scary injuries on Sunday, they came up big in an overtime victory over the defending AFC champs, the Cincinnati Bengals, 23-20. Despite picking off Joe Burrow four times, the Bengals had victory on the foot of kicker Evan McPherson, whose routine PAT would have gotten the Bengals the win, but instead the Steelers blocked the point after touchdown and went on to win in overtime. They definitely were D-nice. Don't call it a comeback for the Kansas City Chiefs. It looked as impressive as ever on the way to blowing out the Arizona Cardinals 44-21. Kansas City had 33 first downs, 488 total yards, 360 of those through the air, and the Kansas City Chiefs were D-nice. And finally, the Bears. Yes, the Chicago Bears beat the San Francisco 49ers in a mini monsoon in Soldier Field, shocking a very heavily favored 49ers team, 19-10. Ugly score in an ugly game. They saw Justin Fields lead his team to 12 fourth quarter points. Good for them. Those teams and those players all were D-nice. Going to take a time out, but still a lot more to come, including our conversation with Reggie Brown and our new segment with him. And, of course, on the Mono Award, Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
my resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. You can check him out on SoundCloud and on IG, on Instagram, and check him out in and around the city of Houston doing his thing. That's our guy. But if you have music you want submitted and played on the podcast, just email us, music at wagewordproductions.com, music at wagewordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter, just as long as there's radio in it, and we will try to work it in to the show. Again, music at wagewordproductions.com. Didn't have a chance to comment on Alabama, Texas, or Texas A&M. Ha, 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 Texas A&M. They lose. Astros' magic number was down to eight at the time of recording, so they're on their way. Jordan Alvarez heating back up. We have a new rookie pitcher doing his thing. Hunter Brown making it happen. Of course, uh, Framber Valdez a complete game the other night. I mean, everything is going good. Verlander be back. We're rolling. We just have to be in tip-top shape when it's time for the playoffs. Well, with that, let's get into our conversation in a brand new segment with our guy Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit. Here he is. Back from the Special Teams Unit. Hey, you know we're back if this guy's back. A former NFL wide receiver guy from our Special Teams Unit, Reggie Brown, back in the building, back aboard the podcast. How are you? I'm good, man. Glad to be back on the special teams. You had me on the bench for a while, but I'm glad I'm back in the starting position. Hey, man, I was on the injury reserve, so <laughs> everybody <laughs> was on the bench. I was out of there for a minute. So, uh, man, you've been busy. There's been so much I wanted to get with you about heading into the NFL season, but now we're here. The NFL season has started, and it got off to a bang for you and your Miami Dolphins. Tell us about your weekend with the Dolphins. Man, it was great, man. I actually was down in Miami for the game, went to a tailgate with some of my Twitter friends, the mob, the Dolphin mob. Uh, We run Dolphin Twitter, and uh, we came down. I mean, people from California, Arizona, Texas, everywhere came and hung out for the football game, and, and then the Dolphins sealed it with a victory. It was a great weekend. Well, uh, your Dolphins consistently beat the Patriots. So that in itself is not a huge deal for you guys. But how did the team look? How did Tua look? How did Tyreek Hill look? How did the? I mean, I saw Jalen Waddle do his thing. How did that offense look for Miami? I mean, it looked good. Tua was very, very efficient. You know, 270 yards, 23 of 33, uh, made some big throws. You know, Mike McDaniels has some cojones, man, on fourth and eight. He goes forward on the on their side of the 50 and throws a strike to Jalen Waddle, man, and uh, the stadium was electric. Tyreek Hill did what he does, had 94 yards. I think it was 92 or 94. Kept pushing the running game, and so I think we're on the right track, man. We're going to be great to watch this year. Well, I want to ask you about the team you played, New England. Are they done? Is it? Is, I mean, they don't. They haven't done a lot to help themselves through draft, through free agency. Offensively, they've gone with Mac Jones. What do you see when you look at the New England Patriots? Well, the Great Wall of China fell, the Ming Dynasty fell, and uh, eventually the Patriots going to fall. And I think <laughs> this is the beginning of it. 
Yeah, and it sort of already started in a lot of ways, but you thought that, hey, they may recover here relatively quickly because of Bill Belichick. But let's uh, shift gears here because I do want to ask you about Alabama State. It's been an exciting, I mean, obviously Saturday was tough, but an exciting start to the season with the Hornets win the Swag Meag Challenge. Our guy Eddie Robinson off to he was off to a two and zero start. Then he goes to UCLA. Talk a little bit about the season thus far. I mean, the team looks well. It looks like an Eddie Robinson team, well disciplined. Uh, the quarterback D Davis that we got out the portal from Auburn is electric. And when you got a quarterback, and then we got the Kitchen not from Colorado um, with some athletes. I think the swag is in trouble, and uh, we're really excited. But that proves who Eddie Robinson is. I mean, he's a great guy, first of all, but then was one heck of a football player, and I think he's going to be a legendary coach as well. Well, is the start better than you would have anticipated? Because, I mean, look, in that swag meag challenge, I looked at it because obviously we have to – Texas Southern has to play you guys, so I'll be seeing this team in October. But what I noticed was just, man, they, they have some athletic players and skill positions. And, of course, the quarterback from the Houston area, North Shore, have they gotten off to a faster start than you anticipated? Well, I think it's all of the things that you just talked about. It's having a, a good football coach and it's having players that make plays. But then on Saturday, you got to go out and do it. And I think they set a precedence for how they're going to play football. So I'm really, really excited. And, and I'll just say this and go on record that the swag is in trouble. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, I saw Jackson State and fam. You, uh, now Jackson State, did have a tougher time with Tennessee State, but it'll be interesting to see how all of these teams evolve. Of course, we have a big game in Arlington against Southern. So on the western side of things in the swag, uh, we have a big battle. It, it may dictate uh, some things if Texas Southern is able to upset and come up with a win. Let's talk a little bit about the money games because Dion had something to say about the swag schools taking these money games and negotiating for even more money in these deals. What do you think? Uh, because, you know, it can be demoralizing and it can be, in, you know, your team can endure some injuries when you take these kinds of games. Of course, we went to Baylor last year. We're going to UTSA this year. Uh, what do you think about the money games when you play the, the FBS schools? Well, I look at it from a couple different perspectives. One, the finances of it, and Dion is correct in saying that we need to ask for more, but in a climate where HBCUs, or some HBUs are struggling to be able to get a quality payday is an excellent thing. And then I also look at it from a player's perspective. While Alabama State lost to UCLA, our players want to see how they compare to those types of programs. And so it's certainly you worry about the injuries and all of those things, but I think the play from a player's perspective, and I always try to look at it from a player's perspective, they want to play that type of talent and see how they measure up. Well, you started saying something uh, at the very beginning of your visits with us. You had a phrase, you can't trust them. So uh, <laughs> you can't trust them. And so we created a segment. So without further ado, here's your segment. You can't trust them. You can't trust them. He simply can't. Now, in this segment, what we'll do is we'll give Reggie an opportunity to tell us if he trusts the situation or if he 
can't trust the situation. Let's start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, man, that offense did not look good before Dak got hurt. Dak did get hurt. He is supposed to be out at least six to eight weeks. Now they're saying, at least Jerry Jones is saying, we're not going to put him on the injury reserve. He may be able to return after four or five weeks. What do you think? Can the Cowboys rebound and make a run at that division? Can you trust the Cowboys or you can't trust them? You can't trust them, man. I wish you didn't trust me so much. With Dak being out, he really runs the team. He makes them go. I know they got Zeke and Pollard, but with those receivers, you don't have a quality receiver room, and so you're going to have to really rely heavy on Zeke and Pollard, and I just don't think they could get the job done to the extent teams are going to put eight in the box and make you throw against them, and I think it was already going to be a struggle with their receivers, so no, you can't trust the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Gallup at some point will be coming back. You got C.D. Lamb, but you lost Cedric Wilson. You traded Amari Cooper. They did not address some key situations, that offensive line. Uh, you know you know directly what, with Cedric Wilson going to the Dolphins. and so you, mean, so you know that they didn't really address their needs. What do you think happened with that decision-making in Dallas? Well, I, I think Gary Jones, you know, there's a time, and, and, and I want to get old, and so I'm going to be res- very respectful of the elderly because I don't want to old people shame, if you will. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes the game passes you by, and when that happens, you have to be willing to let it go. And, you know, you know, my mom is still trying to drive at 84 years old, but she got to let it go. And I think it's time for Jerry to turn the team over and let somebody else drive. It done passed him by. Well, let's go to another can you trust them or you can't trust them. Russell Wilson and his new team, the Denver Broncos, went to Seattle. I mean, he went into the heart of the lion, the, the, the lion's mouth, uh, facing his old team. And they got into the red zone. They had 440-plus yards in total offense, but two fumbles at the one-yard line by running backs, and then a decision to make a uh, last-second 64-yard field goal attempt for the win, and the Broncos come up short. Is Russell Wilson done, or can this team get back into the thick of things? I know it's just week one, but from what you saw, do you think that the Denver Broncos can compete for the AFC West title or at least a playoff spot? Can you trust them or you can't trust them? Oh, you can trust them. Trust me, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. You, you come to a new team with a new quarterback and you're, you're learning the system with a new head coach and all of those things. Uh, but Russell Wilson is a winner. You correctly stated they had over 400 yards of offense. They got Judy. They had Sutton. They got Gordon, that running back. They got a good enough team. Russell will figure it out. They'll figure it out, and they're going to be fine. You can trust them. Let's go finally to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, in the preseason, and I said this on the radio, I didn't get a chance to say it on the podcast because I was sick, but I didn't think the Cincinnati Bengals were going to live up to expectations. Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl, and they even added three offensive linemen, but yet and still, they struggled, got sacked a bunch, a bunch of uh, turnovers by Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense. Are they still going to win the AFC North? Can you trust them to do that or you can't trust them you can't trust them 
Now, what, and the reason they ain't trust him is because a broke clock is right twice a day. And they still the Bengals. They, you know, they, what was their record last year? Nine and uh, ten and seven or something. And they, they go on a magical playoff run. Uh, but they're still the Bengals. And um, that offensive line struggles. Burrow, I think, through four interceptions. And they're the Bengals. And so they were right. They're one time in a decade, and now they go back to being the Bengals. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I kind of agree with you. That's a tough division, and I know that Mike Tomlin, and I don't like I said, no matter what the situation is, Mike Tomlin's teams do not go away. So uh, we'll have more of that to look forward to. Of course, you know, you don't want to react, overreact after week one, but, hey, that's what we're here for, to overreact or to react to what we saw. Uh, let's, uh, before I let you get out of here, what do you look forward to this coming weekend or uh, what are you? What were your final thoughts on wrapping up week one? I thought it was a great week of um, the first week of football. You know, we've been all summer long on Twitter and Facebook and arguing about our teams, and now we got a chance to see them play. Um, I think there's going to be some teams that show up. I think Philadelphia looks pretty good. Um, I think uh, Kansas City is Kansas City. We thought that they would take a step back with Tyreek, but they still humming. And then, of course, the Miami Dolphins are coming. Well, we'll keep an eye out on all of that. And, of course, we'll be visiting quite frequently during football season. We certainly appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you real soon. Hey, get me off the bench, Coach. Put me in the game. (laughs) No doubt. You're back in, and uh, you did it with flying colors this time out. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-941. Six six one four. Want to thank Ridge as always, but with that, it's now time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, many of you NBA fans know of the emerging superstar that is Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's going to be a star in the NBA for many, many years to come, I suspect. And recently, he joined the likes of Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, and Nikola Jokic but not for a good reason and not in a good way. The aforementioned players were all fined by the NBA for anti-gay language. Now, it would add his name to a great group of players who used not-so-great language. Now, this is what he did. In a now-deleted Instagram post, he yelled out of the window at a group of folks on the sidewalk. He yelled out an anti-gay slur. But he posted it on Instagram. How many followers does Anthony Edwards have on Instagram? 1.2 million followers. Now, again, the issue is not just that he posted it, which is the reason why he's getting the Lamont Award, but it's the language itself. Now, I'll be the first to admit that growing up and in high school, the way we talked about groups and, and different people was insensitive, primitive, and wrong. And we've all collectively evolved. And now Edwards, unless he's had his head in the sand, you know about that evolution. 
you know that we are constantly correcting ourselves under the umbrella of politically correct, which is, again, it's not politically correct. It's non-offensive to folks who are offended by the language. You can call it what you want, but you knew you were out of line, Anthony Edwards. And, and I will say this. He gave a, uh, a nice apology. It seemed sincere. And I don't want to come down too hard on him because he's only 21 years old. He has a chance to grow and evolve from this experience. But the fact that you did this on Instagram, again, you got to clean up the language in your private life as well. I mean, you know, you do what you want, but we hope that we all evolve and not use gay slurs or ethnic slurs or any kind of slurs. So we hope that you evolve from that. But, but because you put it on Instagram, Anthony Edwards, you are a Big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> now again, he has apologized and he's taking corrective measures. And it wasn't the worst of the slurs, although aren't all slurs equally offensive? No, I don't think they're equally offensive, but I don't know. That's a, a area for you, you all to decide. But with that being said, yeah, you got to clean it up, young man. You'll learn from it and you'll do better. With that, before I let go, before I let go, want to thank Life on Lock. Want to thank Reggie Brown. Want to thank you guys for coming back and hanging out. Want to thank our sponsors, Brighter Brains and Cobank Homes. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Again, hey, give us a call 832 941 6614. 832-941-6614. In addition to that, tweet me at Wade's Word and join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and like the fan page. And if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.